Awesome. Okay. Um, is, would someone like to pray for me before I start, actually? That would mm. be really cool. Is that okay? Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy. to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was just distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? <coughs> Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later... His wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, this is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So this is quite a shocking incident. And I admit that actually I find this bit really difficult to deal with. And I found writing this talk actually quite difficult. 
So I'd read this bit of the Bible before, but kind of skimmed over it in a, I don't really understand this bit, so I'm just going to move on and pretend that it's not in there type, type way. But obviously, all of the Bible is God's word, and we really need to tackle this difficult stuff that's in it, not just the stuff that we find easy to understand or digest or the stuff in the Bible that we agree with. So we're like, yes, let's look at those bits because I'm fine with those bits. So here we have a description of the early believers living together in real community. By the power of the Holy Spirit, they live peacefully together. They powerfully tell people about Jesus' death and resurrection. And they're making sure no one is needy by contributing money when they feel called to do it. We hear about this guy called Joseph or Barnabas, who's called up as a good example of this. He sells a field and he gives the money to the apostles who make sure that it goes to those who need it. So far, so harmonious. And then there's this frankly scary bit about Ananias and Sapphira. They just seem to be ordinary believers in the church and then God just strikes them dead, it seems. And for what? So the first thing that is hard to understand but which we really need to get into is just was so bad about what they'd done. So at first glance, the description of Ananias selling a field and laying the money at the apostles' feet looks very similar to the description of Barnabas doing the same. So Barnabas sells a field, Ananias sells some property, Barnabas lays the money at the apostles' feet to distribute it to the poor, and Ananias does the same. But the Bible tells us that there's one crucial difference with this, and that is what's going on in Ananias' heart. The Bible tells us that he colluded with his wife, Sapphira, to hold on to some of the money. And then, seemingly, he claimed that what he'd given to the apostles was the full amount, which, the more you think about it, is just weird and stupid. Firstly, they were like, this couple were under no obligation whatsoever by the other believers to give any money at all. As we heard earlier, people gave as they felt, by, called by the Spirit. And when they saw people, were in need. And secondly, even if they did decide to give money, they were under no obligation to give the full amount. Peter even says this to them. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? So what is going on here? Why did Ananias and Sapphira do this frankly weird and stupid thing? So every year at work, we have to update our CVs with the jobs that we've worked on so that we can charge ourselves out to clients at high prices. Um, and I'm in the process of going through mine at the moment. And I tell you what, it's so tempting to massage a few facts, to put a certain spin on what you've done. And before you know it, you've gone from sorting out the photocopying to single-handedly building high-speed two railways with a toothpick. <laughs> and you're like, Who's going to know if I've just massaged a few facts and who's going to care? You know, and it, obviously in the situation with the CV, I'm lying to myself, I'm lying to my boss, um, I'm lying to my clients. And the worst thing that would happen is I'd get in a situation where I was a little bit out of my depth, fail completely at my job and my company's reputation would be in tatters. <laughs> so no big deal then. Um, but the thing that was so bad about this particular incident was not 
really, actually, that Ananias and Sapphira were lying to Peter and the apostles and the rest of the believers. It was the fact that they'd lied to Peter and the rest of the church about not giving the full amount. It was that they lied, it says, to the Holy Spirit. That was the key issue. And just like me massaging the facts on my CV, this is like them basically going, I don't really care if God knows that I'm, t I'm not telling the truth because I just want to make myself look good to other people. So there are two things that might have happened here. The first is that they saw that all the other believers really admired Barnabas for giving all the money from selling his field to the apostles. And Ananias and Sapphira, they really wanted to be admired as well by the believers. Maybe they were just quite ordinary people who wanted to really make a splash. They wanted people to look at them and be in awe of how holy and self-sacrificial they were. So they sell the property, but they keep some back. We can just claim to have given it all, they say to one another, because we don't want to look stingy. The problem, I must reiterate, isn't that they kept some of the money back. The problem is that they pretended that they hadn't. Or maybe it was this. Maybe the Holy Spirit genuinely did prompt them to sell the property that they had and give the money to help the poor in the church. But then Satan came along and tempted them to compromise about it and not give it all. He'd whisper in their ears that they were being really generous in giving even some of their money to the Lord and that they deserved to keep some of it back for themselves, but nobody needs to know that you've kept some back. And you know what, there's a really similar incident that happens in the Old Testament in Joshua chapter 7. The Israelites are marching into the promised land and they get to the fortified city of Jericho. You may have heard of it. It looks impregnable, but God tells them to march around it for six days and then on the seventh day, when they blow the trumpet, the walls fall down and they're able to take the city without too much effort at all. So Joshua, their leader at the time, tells them that they're going to devote everything that's made of gold and silver to God to go into the temple treasury and they're going to destroy everything else that's in the city. But there's this guy called Achan who sees this amazing, amazing row and some bars of gold and silver and he just can't resist taking them. Now, I don't know how he thought he was going to get away with this, really. Like, when his mates said, cool robe, where did you get it from? What was he going to say to them? When he's identified <coughs> by God as someone that's disobeyed him, we find out that Achan has actually buried the evidence under the floor of his tent, so much good it did him anyway. And both of these incidents are essentially about people trying to cheat God and make themselves look good. So Achan took gold and silver, which were supposed to be devoted by, to God, because he seemingly wasn't truly thankful that God had enabled them to capture Jericho without any being in any mortal peril whatsoever. And Achan took this robe that was supposed to be destroyed because he wanted to look rich and sophisticated and on trend. And Ananias and Sapphira held back some of the money which they themselves had earmarked as being devoted to God because they seemingly weren't thankful to God 
that God had saved them from eternal punishment for their sins by sending his son Jesus to take that punishment. Never mind that God had blessed them with this extraneous property that they were able to sell in the first place. And Ananias and Sapphira pretended that they were giving the full amount because they wanted to look generous and holy and worthy. But the thing is, there is no cheating God. There is no lying to God. He sees your heart and he knows you inside out. He knows what you're thinking. In, the first, in 1 Samuel, it says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. He can see the motives behind what you're doing. And what about trying to make yourself look good? Let me tell you this, that nothing you can ever do will make you look good in the long term. And deep down we know this, don't we? You know, that slightly sick feeling that we have when we boast about our achievements or our dissatisfaction with new clothes that we've just bought that actually just make us want to buy more new clothes. Or the emptiness of self-promotion at the expense of others. Do you know that God made you in his image? And that because of sin, we have fallen away from that, but only he can restore you to it. And that's what it's talking about when it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's what it's talking about. Cheating God and trying to make ourselves look good are signs that we just don't think God is worth it. And we don't think that God will provide for us. We don't trust that God will make us look good by making us look more like him. We need to be rooted in the Holy Spirit and the truth of the Bible. And that way we begin to look good by becoming who we were made to be, which is the reflection of God his glorious love and power and grace. And that's how the early church was described at the beginning of this passage, as having a great grace on them. So notwithstanding all of that, my other gut reaction is to feel that God's reaction is slightly over the top here. Why does God seemingly strike down Ananias and Sapphira then and there? So Peter discerns by the Holy Spirit that they're lying, why doesn't he give them the chance to repent? After all, there was that small incident where Peter denied Jesus three times. And Jesus gave Peter a chance to repent. And Jesus forgave him, didn't he? So why do Ananias and Sapphira drop dead instantly? Well, the honest answer is that I don't know. But there are some things that we can think about here. And they are difficult things that we need to grapple with. And the first one is that none of us knows how long our lives are going to be. It's entirely possible that I could keel over at the end of this sentence. It's okay, we're safe. <laughs> that would have been awkward. <laughs> Quite funny. Funny not. In terms of making a point, that would have been very good. Yeah. <laughs> so we are only kept alive because God, who is sovereign over everything, keeps us alive. 
He gives us every breath that we take. And just as God knew us before we were conceived and knit us together in our mother's womb, so God has already determined how long each one of us is going to live. In Job 14.5 it says, A person's days are determined. You, he's talking to God, have decreed the number of his months. You've set limits he cannot exceed. And we don't know why as humans. Some people suffer and live a short life, and some people live a long life. And why it seems like sometimes good people suffer, while bad people live a full life with all the comforts. But we do know that God is good, and so we know that we can trust him. And we know that God has a plan, so he must know what's going on. And we do know that whilst the depths of Ananias and Sapphira do seem to be directly linked to their sin here, this is actually unusual in the Bible. Because we want to try and gain some control over death by understanding it, we can fall into the trap of looking at all early or sudden death as judgment from God. But Jesus makes it clear to his disciples that we shouldn't look at it that way. Because in Luke 13 he says about some people that had obviously died recently, these 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the other people living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And this is the other key point to think about, being given the chance to repent. See, Ananias and Sapphira had been given that chance. They'd heard the good news. They were in the believers. They'd heard that the holy God who created everything, who had a perfect right to smite them there and then because of their sin, had instead sent his only son to die as a perfect sacrifice and take the punishment for their sin. Like it says in Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. They'd heard all that. They'd heard all that and had the opportunity to be sorry and to turn away from their sin, to be sorry enough to stop sinning. But seemingly, they hadn't taken that opportunity. It says in the passage instead that Satan had filled Ananias' heart. In Romans 1 it says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people were without excuse. And they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is ever praised. Amen. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And this is what had happened to Ananias and Sapphira. Despite knowing God and knowing of God, they neither glorified him nor were thankful to him. And they exchanged the gifts that they'd be given, been given from the creator for things that were created and don't really satisfy, like some money. And this is kind of like the real warning of the story, is that unless we repent and put our faith in Jesus as the one who is able to reconcile us to God, then ultimately we will perish. Instead of eternal life, we will receive eternal punishment for our sins. And as we've said earlier, 
that we don't know the hour of our death. It's actually vitally important that we take the chances that God gives us to repent and to put our faith in Jesus. I've got to be honest, for us the question probably isn't, are we cheating God in some way and trying to make ourselves look good? It's actually probably, in which way am I cheating God and trying to make myself look good? (laughs) Because certainly in writing this talk I've been quite challenged on various things. For instance, on the time that I choose to set aside for a quiet time with God, I think, Shelley, it won't matter if I just look at those clothes that are on sale for five minutes. And there I am, thinking of how to make myself look good by buying new clothes whilst lying to the Holy Spirit about the time that I myself had chosen to set aside for my quiet time. And I'm shooting myself in the foot here because I'm missing out on my relationship with God. That's like, that's like almost like a silly example, but it is like one that's easy to explain and one, um, you know, one of the things that actually the Spirit has been gently pointing out to me in my heart as something that he would like me to change. So really, this talk is a chance for us all to kind of like reflect and repent and turn back to God's way again because actually we have been given this opportunity here today to repent and to ask for God's grace to be powerfully among us as it was powerfully among that early church because this whole incident was something that it was a lot it was lying to the Holy Spirit but it was also something that threatened the unity of the community of the believers and as this community of impact and in a wider church we want to maintain that that grace and that unity that comes from the holy spirit and if you're not a christian and if you've not repented of going your own way and you've not submitted to jesus as the lord of your life then you have been given that chance to repent today and to receive eternal life So don't miss that chance.